ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, what is that? Is that Mr. Claus we hear? Santa, oh my goodness, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I can't believe Santa's here. You know why Santa's here? I'm going to answer my, you know, I'm going to clear this up for myself and for the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, we are putting together a secret Santa event for all of our listeners, everyone on Twitter, all of near Twitter, all of that good stuff. We're putting together a very neary Christmas. So I put this together. I think it was 2020. Um, I think we had 20, 20 people, maybe. Oh, um, oh, my, oh my goodness, oh, Santa. Santa oh Santa. my gosh, Santa, stop it. Stop. You're making me blush. We uh, had everyone fill out a Google form of just some basic interest information, address, name, all that stuff. I sent it out, mix it up, send it out to people. And uh, it was awesome. It was, it was really fun seeing what people got from random people and posting that online once they got it. So we're hoping to go even bigger and better this time, get even more people involved, give people more time to um, know who their, their Secret Santa giftee is, get their gift and send it out, and uh, just you know get more people involved in the holiday season and keep it themed around apps. So um, keep an eye out for some official details. I'm going to put together a Google form for you guys to fill out to... Give us your information if you want to participate. Oh, and we'll, that's a lot of work to fill out a whole hey, Google form. Hey, if anyone knows about a lot of work, it's you, Mr. Maybe Claus. I'm not technologically literate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Claus. You can go now. <laughs> so uh, I'll try to post that tomorrow, which would be Wednesday the 23rd, if not maybe on Thanksgiving Day. Give everyone like yeah, a yeah. Way to give me a time frame to edit and put this out, man. Come on. Just post it tomorrow. You said you're going to work for an hour. <laughs> Caught. Caught. <laughs> Might have other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> fill it out. We'll give people maybe like a week and a half to uh, to fill it out, whatever. And then once that's closed, I will take care of sending out all the information of who to send the gift to, all the rules, you know, anything like that. So. It's going to be hashtag Neary Christmas. We're going to get this hashtag trending around the world. And uh, it's going to be phenomenal. Santa, as you part ways, do you have anything else you want to say for the audience? Oh, ho, 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 ho. I hope we go to a ball game. If we don't, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Oh, Santa. Oh, my goodness. Santa, come on, man. Don't you know that that the hard times come and you shouldn't be upset about that? I feel like... Santa, sh- I mean, I know you're not like God or a genie, but I feel like Santa should still have some sway on if we get a bull game or not, you know? Like, he should be able to pull oh, some strings. Elves work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully those fanatics have cut their brains up. They're gonna, it's going to be the first case of a, like, the camellia bull being bribed to take a team. <laughs> App State continues to make history because Santa Claus and his elves bribed the camellia bull officials to take App State. They built a new bowl game. <laughs> they built- and it's just us. They couldn't fill an opponent, so it's just they, us. And we get they built the hickory bowl. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Will Strickland, App State Convoy. I'm Parker Stone, the App State Cone Enforcer. And that was Santa Claus. <laughs> And you're in Welcome back. You're in the gold room. Presented by Will Strickland and Parker Stone. Welcome back, App State fans. You heard that correctly. You're oh, Santa. Oh. Come on, man. Go home. Sorry. You have a wife and kids. Sorry. You're back in the gold room. Um, it's been an interesting week to mm-hmm. be an App State fan. Um, we'll talk about the ODU game. We got three back-to-back-to-back basketball games that did not go, I think, as well as we had hoped. Went one for t- or uh, one and two, which was not. Not very, ideal. Very easily could have gone three zero on the weekend. I think. Yes. Um, we'll start with the old Dominion game. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. 
Um, I was there. I went up with um, my fiance, her parents, and my parents. We got a place in Blowing Rock to stay Friday through Sunday. So that was great. It was a, a great family trip. Got to show them around the town. We ate at um, not the usual spots because on game day, everything was super busy. So we just had to eat wherever was available. So before the game, we ate at... We got our name on the list as soon as Lost Province opened. So we got, we got Lost Province. After the game, we went to Ransom which was delicious. They had a pimento and fried green tomato sandwich, which was really, really good. But I had to eat it super fast because I wanted to get to the basketball game on time. Um, Friday night, we went to Woodlands Barbecue, which their corn nuggets are wild. Oh. Delicious, dude. Okay. Woodlands Barbecue corn nuggets are delightful. And then Sunday, uh, her parents had never been to Boonshine. So we took them over to East Boone and, and got them, gave them the Boonshine experience what, what i have said multiple times my favorite place in the high country mm-hmm. i got the hot honey chicken nuggets oh my god those things are crazy those were insane those were I have no so business good. being that good so good um and the game day experience was pretty fun the entry was whack i posted a photo on my personal account uh we got in line because as a lot of you know when you come up with parents or friends who aren't app state students or family members that you know they're just there to hang out. You're not getting in the stadium two hours early. Yeah, the whole you're, get early, right. whatever. You're not even not. necessarily tailgating. You're shopping. You're going to restaurants. Like you're, you're just a tourist. You're going around the town. So we get in line at 223, and, the li- and we're on the east side. The line, I'm going to say it was unsafe because of when you go up that east entrance, especially on Stadium Drive, the sidewalk is steep. It is very it's, steep it's in some hilly. spots. Yeah. And having to have people stand there for a long time, you think about older people, bigger folks that are in line, uh, especially if people are standing up straight, they're not bending their knees, that blood flow starts getting to them. That's dangerous. And when you're on a hill and you have a, a crowd that packed, one person falls down and it can turn into a whole domino effect. So I was really, really confused about, and it was the same on the, the west side. We thought maybe we'll go over there and be a little quicker. The line seemed just as bad, but there are more interests there, so I'm sure it was a little quicker. Um, but I know once we got into our seat, it was after kickoff. We missed that big pass to Caden Robinson uh, on that opening drive. We sat down and we looked over. There were still tons of people walking in on the west side. So I I saw some tweets that uh, people had heard that uh, not everyone knew it was at two thirty, which I hundred percent believe because all of our games at three thirty are at three thirty. Yeah, and they have been for years. And then usually towards the end of the season, they throw in a two thirty game. And that I think that played a role in the the surge to get into the entrance. Um, it's it it really gives the stadium high school vibes, which sucks. Uh, we should have entry figured out, you know. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. It's like having a, as few gates as we do is 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 weird. We yeah. should really be able to figure out another way to get people in the stadium besides literally just having two points of entry right and having people have to walk up that hill that's well like, and, and like i've not- i've seen before like students have said like that a lot of people blame the students for clogging the gates or stuff like that like yeah, no way no no there were no students coming in the east side no there should not be there never will be no and, and that was that was bad i it seemed like the workers once we got up there they were doing the best they can but something that um my my fiance's mom pointed out she was like uh do I need to like take uh, my phone out of my, my my keys out of my pocket? Like, do they? Uh, is there security? And I was like, no. Nope. She's like, do you walk through a metal detector? Nope. Do they wand you? No. Which is so. And weird. it reminded me again of how ludicrous it is that there is no security. No, to get no, into the game. no. And we've said this multiple times. I think on this show, on live streams, whatever. You could bring. Anything you want to an App State game. You can bring a, a Barrett 50 cal sniper rifle in pieces. As long as it's not in a non-clear bag, <laughs> you could bring it in. Especially when it's cold and everyone has blankets and, and oh, jackets and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. No, no. And I, I, You know what? I'll go ahead and admit I am guilty of this. I've done this before. I've brought in dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts before. <laughs> I have brought in freaking five Cajun filet biscuits inside. Right. I've brought... Eight tall boys right. inside. And I know, because, like... Because there's literally nothing... There's nothing that tells you you can't do it. There's nobody stopping you from doing it. Right. They they care. Do you have a ticket? Do you have a pulse? Is your bag clear? I'm, I'm sure there's a sign at some point that says no outside food. But 
you know, no one's stopping you. There's no check. There's no way they would ever what, know. You, they think I'm going to stand in the fucking 80-minute line? <laughs> and I know Go it's... it's grandma's apple pie. Know, it's like, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, I, I don't know what the term is. Uh, thinking of the worst to be talking about, you know, people bringing in weapons or co- people coming in with bad intentions. But it's legit. This is a stadium it, of no. 30,000 people. It is a safety violation. Cram packed. It, it, it is and a safety concern. Think about it. The entries and exits are bad too, right? It's not yeah. easy to get in and out of that stadium. No. It, it's if just, there was an event of an emergency and you were on the west side. Y- yeah. West side, I think, would be worse to get out of than east. The east side, you could like go up that hill, whatever, to the street, whatever. If you're on the west side, there is one exit. Right. I feel like, I'm assuming it's a cost thing, but you have to imagine... The cost of having metal detectors and, pe- and wands and stuff like that is cheaper than the fat settlement you would have to pay should something happen. Oh, if something happened, if something happened, you'd have to you'd you'd have to stop football or something like that. You, we wouldn't be the, able to afford the that. amount. Yeah, the amount of money you would have to pay out if some type of mass event happened. Well, and and that's the things that scares me about the the leaks or whatever that are coming out about potential stadium expansion whatever. We are too big than we can handle right now. If there is not a plan to to expand our entrances, our security, X Y and Z, yeah. there should not be any thought of expanding Kid Brewer past what it is. Yep. It is already too big than what we can handle. Yeah. I'm very thankful that in my entire time as an app fan, I've never heard of a weapon being brought in, a weapon being used, anything like that. Yeah, because they didn't check. So I'm, I'm ha- what? No, I'm talking about, no, dummy. I'm not talking about getting caught in the game. I'm talking about using it. No, I'm but someone getting I, stabbed or something I, like that. I'm saying using it, no, but I promise you that on it, on, Every given Saturday, there are numerous weapons that, that oh, there's probably a couple that get unchecked. There's couple, in. probably a couple yee-yees packing on their head. Oh, absolutely, that are uh, this my ride. That's right. That, <laughs> I've got a concealed carry permit. That's right. Doesn't matter. I'm on college campus. Yeah. So I, I'm not trying to be all you know a downer and negative Nancy, but like it's legitimate. That's a legitimate yes. risk. I go yeah. to I'm, a lot. A lot of my family are Gamecocks. I go to South Carolina. It's a stadium of however many tens of thousands. You absolutely go through security. Charlotte oh, Hornets yeah. go through security. Carolina Panthers go through oh, security. Oh yeah, uh, it, even other- in high school. Yeah, we go to high school football games, and we had to be wanded. Like, I don't know what it is about uh, other G five schools in this state. You got to go through a full body metal detector before you can walk into their football stadium. I, it, yeah. It's so bizarre to me that we we have the. It's like the meme of the guy at the soccer stadium that just does like the, the <laughs> like, crappy pat. Yeah, down. he like puts his hands very closely over people as he pats them down. No, and just we, we literally are like, "Do you have a ticket? Are you breathing? All right, come on in." Yeah, I, I would really, really love. I think um, since I've been, this is really my first year, like consistently going to the away side. I think I've been to, I've been to three games this season, and I've sat in two sixteen every time. Uh, so this is, my, this is my first experience of like the the visitor entrance and, and the alumni entrance coming on the east side. It's subpar, man. We need more entrances, and I know it's a tough task. With it's just the the actual like the geography. You can't just flatten Stadium Drive. I get it. There has to be a better way yeah. instead of having people stand on a forty five. Well, degree and, angle. and that's the thing is like now it's it's the double edged sword of. If you increase security, if you you make full metal detectors a thing, it's gonna all slow that, it down. It's gonna slow it down, and you only have two entry points. Right. So if you increase security, you're going to have to increase the amount of access points to the stadium. Right. Which is going to involve, I think, on the that far side where Miller Hill is, you'd, you'd have to to re level yeah. a lot of things to create a separate entrance. But we are getting to the point where that is going to be necessary yep. especially if there's this idea that we're gonna expand kid brewer to forty thousand seats yeah there yep. th- we're getting to the point where it is a it, it's already a safety hazard if we're trying to add on it's going to just get worse uh something else that gave the stadium high school vibes was uh when was the the game that we went to uh robert morris when was yeah, that that was uh october mid-october yeah Outside of Section 216, there's two vending machines. I think they installed these last season. There's one that's all water, and there's one that's soda. And they have one on the home side as well, west side. At the Robert Morris game, 
the one that was all water was out of service. And wouldn't you know it? The one at this game. No. Three, four weeks later, out of service. Wow. But the soda one is up and running, baby. It has really? been restocked. Really? Restocked? I'm assuming, I'm assuming sodas have been purchased. Soda. Since the last... <laughs> <laughs> That's an obscure meme. I don't, I don't even want to explain that one. So it's like, like again, like you can't have amenities that don't work. No, like it's a vending machine. If it's been, it had to have been restocked, right? There, yes. There had to have been more sodas put into one of them, right? Well, and that's where, like, you know, I just keep going back. I, I feel like this is a topic we've talked about so many times. The north end zone. Yeah. Instead of adding premium seating that people aren't buying, which they're not, we can talk about, I will sing the praises of, of all the decisions App Athletics has made. The north end zone project was a bad idea that no one has purchased. It's an eyesore on game days. You could have made that whole area a separate entrance and expanded accessibility points to the stadium. Dang. Instead, we have an empty club level that no one sits in. It's overpriced. A rock garden that's an eyesore that's also overpriced. The rock garden is weird. The rock garden it is, is just, weird. It, it's so odd. I think that whole architecture, it's such a weird amount of height and space that is left. It's like you could have brought the seats so much further out. You could have yes. built. You could have, done you could have put those temporary bleachers behind, under it temp, like permanently. permanently. It, it almost seems like it was meant to be something more, but like you ran out of time and money. Right. And like, I think what's going on, the reason the north end zone doesn't look that great, and I'm pretty sure we have homies that sit, I'm pretty sure Gonzo sits there. So you, I know he's a diehard, and I'm sure there's other diehards as well. He sits in that library section? I think in the north end zone, I believe yeah. so. I think what happens is the reason it looks like an eyesore and it's so empty is because people are just inside the suite there enjoying the amenities and watching the game from indoors. So that's why when you look at it, it looks totally empty and it's something easy to, to make fun of. And I don't know if there's really a way to control that because if someone paid for it, I'd probably be inside too. If there's air conditioning on a hot day and there's food. and So, so that's why you bathrooms. don't make that the only thing over. That's why you expand the whole bleachers down and then you have like a normal seating section True. below it so yeah. that it's not just a club level where people are sitting inside. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also saw at one point in the game, uh, I looked over, I heard a, uh, a, ruckus, uh, a ruckus on Miller Hill. I looked over, and two students had, had stolen mirrors from the bathroom. The bathroom. <laughs> someone, posted, <laughs> someone posted videos, because I was, I was, I'm like, those look like, like bathroom mirrors. Because they, they were like those off the wall. They were reflecting, and I, I, my brain was like melting because I didn't understand like in what context would there be mirrors on the hill <laughs> Miller Hill? Like, yeah, these had to have come from the bathroom. And then some, like the next day or two days later, someone posted a Snapchat video of kids taking off the wall and like, like caving, like, like walking out of the bathroom with it. I mean, honestly, like it probably is pretty easy to get those, like uninstall those because all you have to do is put a screwdriver in your pocket and then walk inside. Which you can easily take. Which, yeah. you, I, you know, I, I, right. I, you know what? I will do the next time I'm, I'm at Kid Stadium. I'm bringing a screwdriver the in. The funny thing is, I would bet a reasonable amount of money that kickoff next year those mirrors will not be there they will no, not be replaced no they will not come back there will be two sinks where it's just center block it'll be two two sinks where there's <laughs> just center block and that water vending machine will still be broken. Yeah. <laughs> yes and they'll have added another soda vending machine oh no yeah, right yeah, next yeah, to yeah, it yeah. <laughs> and a different beer tent right um other than that uh the with all that said my family had a good experience Right. Oh, again, I'm sure 98% of the people, all things considered, had a fantastic game day experience at Kid Brewer. It was whack as hell getting inside, and that definitely was uh, surprising to them. Um, but the game itself was, was great. The people around us were fine. Um, we, Section 216, is a, especially in the winter, in the, in the, before daylight savings, you get sun. You are in the sun the entire time, so you get roasted. Um, but in the winter, it's a pretty nice spot. But there's a bathroom right below it, so they were comfortable, had a good time, and the game itself was great. Yeah, we were playing 
excellent. Good football. Our offense was moving a lot better than we had. We've had the season. Um, I fe- I think it was through the all the first half they didn't. Old Dominion didn't score at all. I think maybe midway through the third they scored their first touchdown in like fourteen quarters. It's unbelievable. Yeah, which is insane. Which shows you how bad Virginia Tech is. And coastal. And. Well, they can't be bad because we lost. So something was going on that day that Old Dominion beat Coastal because Old Dominion is not better than Coastal by any means. Well, they were four touchdowns better that day. Yeah, something something was in the uh, something, something was, was in, in the, the water. Air. Yeah. Um. But yeah, our receivers look great. Chase looked great. He had some excellent deep passes. I I I think that's one of the most exciting plays when. You as the fan see the receiver get open downfield, yeah. and you say, "Pass it, pass it," and he passes it, and <gasps> they catch it. That's one of the most exciting plays for me. That is so fun to watch. So the game was awesome. I'm assuming Cam Peoples was hurt. We weren't. We didn't get to see the the Senior Day introduction, so I'm, I don't know if he was recognized in, in a boot or anything like that. Um, but Cam was obviously hurt because he didn't play, which really sucks. So yeah, hopefully we, we, he's whatever's going on, he's healed up. We and ready are for now we're, we are not going to have a, a thousand yard rusher, which is sad. First time in what sixteen years? A, a minute. At sixteen, I, six. I it's something like that. It, it's definitely double digits. I don't know if that's correct or not, but either way, that that stings because that's an indictment on your offense overall especially your o-line i I think it's it's almost uh, an indictment on the lack of vision that this offense had this year it it didn't seem like they really had you know an identity figured out at all this season it it felt like some weeks it was like oh we're gonna be like a pro style offense some weeks it, it was we're gonna be this this spread style some weeks it was Cam Peoples is the guy. We're going to give him 15, 30 touches, whatever. Then it was randomly running back at committee for what felt like no reason, even though we were told everyone was healthy. And it was Cam would get a play. Nate would get a play. Frank Castle would. Frank Castle? (laughs) Anderson Castle. Who's Frank Castle? It's the Punisher. The (laughs) (laughs) Punisher. Frank Castle's the Punisher. I have killed Will with my Punisher joke. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, White Castle would come in for three straight plays. I mean, it it just felt like we never really figured out what the plan was on offense this year. And that's I don't know if that's 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 due to personnel struggles or you know whether coach barbe didn't exactly figure it out or clark had some sort of say in in what the identity of our offense was going to be but it definitely felt like we kind of figured out week to week what what we were going to be doing i agree (laughs) you don't like my punisher reference where did that come from why were you thinking about that the only person that's famous with the last name castle it's Frank Castle. He's White punishing. Castle. What are you talking about, man? Well, yes, I know, but I, Frank Ca- White Castle's a it's a business. It's not a person. You take that back. <laughs> you take that back, fucker. It's a house of God. <laughs> you ever actually been to a physical White Castle? No, I don't know if I've ever seen one. I've seen one. I've never been to one though. Anyways, uh, I agree with what you're saying about running backs. I think the same thing happened last year. We did way too much rotating backs and sharing snaps i feel like the successful teams don't do that they don't i feel they like just say they just say this is the you, best player have, on our team you, we're gonna give you the ball you have your rb1 and he comes out when he he says he needs a break or there's a specific package created for another running back exactly Cam Peoples was and always has been the best running back on our roster nate noel is phenomenal Dedrick Harrington is phenomenal. Marshall is phenomenal. He was clutch in, against Texas A&M. Castle has his role. We did not act like Cam Peoples was the best running back on no, our roster. It, 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 we like, never have under Clark. And that's the thing is, like, like under Clark and under the system, it's always felt like there's some sort of weird, like, they don't like Cam's personality, and it's almost felt like they're, right. like, punishing him for because weird stuff. with how good he is and how 
how little snaps he was getting compared to how good he is, you had to start thinking that there's more to it. Exactly. Right? Because no one in the right mind would play this guy as little as they do. Exactly. Unless Espe- especially beef. when especially when he's out on social media saying that he's not injured, he's not hurt, he's healthy, he's ready to go. I mean, it 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 I'm very sad because it feels like a situation where we're going to look back on it and go, "Wow, we wasted what we had." 100%. Hopefully we feel that way because Cam's in the NFL. And, numbers. No, he's going to be like the man is a physical matchup nightmare at his size and how he runs north to south. Like he is going to be an NFL back. He has prototypical size. He is going to have production in the NFL. And we are going to sit and wonder why there were games where he disappeared. Yeah. That's... There, why, why are there games? I, I love Castle. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a fantastic. I think he, he he's probably a fullback for us is what he should be. Yeah, that's what he's We're going into. to sit there and wonder why there were games where he he got three straight carries in a row and clutch situations and we got 4 yards and punted. And and we had people standing there on the sideline with his arms crossed. Right. I mean, it it's very confusing at this point. And I'm sure based on how our press conferences have gone this season where it really seems like people ask like cupcake questions to Clark. We're never really going to get an answer. We're never going to find out what happened. I've actually learned. So I do volunteer work once a week. And one of the guys volunteer with, he is a college football writer. He, um, I forget what website he works with, but he is the, basically the lead writer and he has a staff under him. He votes on one of the All-American committees. He, I mean, he's legit. He's knee-deep in this stuff. He's going to games. He's voting on All-American players. He's legit. He knows what he's talking about. And we were talking about um, Alabama, how we kind of having a, a, you know, a quote-unquote offseason with having two losses. And he said that um, Nick Saban intentionally, when he's doing media, he intentionally only takes questions from local media, not national media. The reason for that is national media is national right? If Nick Saban doesn't like you as a national reporter, that's fine. You're going to have your job because you're employed by ESPN, Associated Press, CBS, right? You are not an Alabama organization. You're not affiliated directly with Alabama. If you piss Nick Saban off, fine. At worst, you get reassigned to a new school. Probably nothing happens because that's what your employer wants. You want, they want you to ask questions that get a reaction and get an, an answer out of the coach. But when Nick Saban only takes questions from local reporters, it's because local reporters are scared of pissing him yep. off and losing access. Yep. For App State, I don't even think it's a matter of local reporters being scared. I just think it's a matter of there's no national reporters. Because why would a national reporter well, spend time and, at and, a, a six and five Sunbelt school? Well, and it's it's kind of where we're at right now. Where we're, we're talking here right now, me and you, I would say, are being critical yes. of things that we see at App State right now. There's so much of people that talk about App State, that post content about App State, whatever, that have relationships with people that work there and are so scared of losing that access to talking to Coach Clark or talking to Coach Kearns or talking to people inside the athletic department, having access to Doug Gillen, X, Y, and Z, that they will not tell the truth when they talk. When they watch something that's bad on TV or when they're at the stadium, they will not say anything because right. they are that worried of losing access to being able to you know, have interviews or ask questions. Yeah. I think it is a double-edged sword with how homegrown App State is yeah. and the, the boonering that people talk about. When you, you go to App State as a student, you maybe leave for a couple years and you wind up right back on the mountain one way or another. I think there's... A lot of reporters that have local ties, a lot of staff members with local ties, coaches with local ties, local business leaders with, with App State ties. These people, they, they value their connections with the university, and rightfully so. You and I love our university. Absolutely. They love the university just the same. So that's great to have that type of love and culture around the program. But in this situation, when you have a program that is in a down year, and it doesn't seem to be that we have bad players or everyone else around us got better. It seems to be that coaching is not prepared for games. We've lost four of our five losses have been by one possession. 
Mm-hmm. That is an objective sign that coaching is losing games. Players don't lose games that consistently by one touchdown, by yeah. one field goal. That is a lack of preparation, right? So the double-edged sword I'm talking about is these people that are in positions and do have the opportunity to ask staff, ask Coach Clark, ask assistant coaches, ask Dale Jones, ask uh, Coach Barbe, what is going on? Why did this happen? Why did you call this play? Why didn't we uh, use this running back? Why didn't we go for this, go for that? Why are we saying that players are healthy and then after the fact saying that, oh, they weren't healthy? Right. If you push too far, you're concerned about losing that access. And when you love university as much as you do, you take it personally. You feel like part of you is kind of getting kind of, you know, kind of squandered. And that's the thing thing that hurts as a fan is, you know, for guys like me and you, like we'll sit here and say this, and I'm sure we'll, we'll hear about this afterwards when someone listens to this podcast. Someone will say to us that, oh, y'all are just being negative. Y'all don't love it. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't love it as much as everybody else, X, Y, and Z. No, we love it just as much as everybody else. We're just being honest about what we see. You don't have to rose color everything. Right. Like there are legitimate problems that we have. You cannot say that a season where we're looking like we're going to end at 500 or worse. We're looking like we might not, you know, we've got one game left against our rival in their stadium where both of us are playing for a bowl game and it doesn't feel good right now. It doesn't, uh, uh, right now, I don't feel great about going to play that game in Statesboro. Yeah. And right now, I'm looking at this season and looking at the talent we have in this roster, and it feels like we wasted a lot of potential that this year had. Yeah. And that doesn't, to me, that's not making me a negative fan or, you know, being down on the team for wrong reasons, whatever. Like, there, there are questions that should be asked. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's people that are questioning, uh, talking about Alabama, people are questioning Nick Saban. Is he, is he falling off? Is he going to be retiring soon? They're like, they're what, nine and two? Yes. They're number got two nine, number 10 in the country. I don't know what they're at. Yeah. And, right? and, and Nick Saban's got what? Five national championships, six. Right. I mean, he's under a microscope right now because he has established such a tradition of success that two losses is a failure for Alabama. Yeah. Not making the SEC championship, shoot, not making the playoffs is a failure for Alabama football. We were at that point. We are no longer at that point no. under Coach Clark. And I'm not necessarily saying it's because of, Co- because of Coach Clark. I'm saying under Coach Clark, during this time span, we are not there anymore. It used to be where not, uh, not winning the Sun Belt was not even something we thought about. Right? Yes. 2016, 17, 18, uh, 19, don't even, that's not even a thought in your head that we're not going to win the Sun Belt. Going to a bowl game, not even worried about it. You're worried about which one are we going to. Playing teams like Texas State. Like that that's literally like put that on the on the background. Yeah. And you know, look up from Twitter every now and then. Yeah. Because we're up forty points. We're not there anymore, right? And Coach Clark took said that when he took over, and I think after his first season as well. Uh uh anything less than a ten win season, anything than a nine win season is a failure. What happened? Does that mean that this season is a failure? Based on Coach Clark's words, we've got six yes. win- We've got six wins, and two of them are against Cupcake FCS teams. Right, according to Coach Clark's words, past Coach Clark, yes, this season is a failure. So it is absolutely legitimate concern, and there is absolutely a need to ask Coach Clark and ask the staff why was it a failure. And th- that's the thing is like why why I don't know why us as at fans as as a collective we're so scared of accountability. That's what's so weird is like because we've got, you know, a roster full of app state guys, app state coaches, whatever, we're not gonna we're not gonna ask the tough questions. We're not gonna ask the things that, you know, people would be scared to ask. Like we need to we should hold each other accountable as fans. We should hold our athletic department accountable. We should hold our coaches accountable. There are things that we see on game day, watching the game, that are not we don't feel good about. Right. I think, you know, uh, the, the biggest one that I don't know why no one has asked is what is happening with our running back rotation. Yeah. Why is it so all over the place? For two years now. Yes. Two years. We have mystery running back injuries where every week we hear everybody's healthy, everybody's going to be available, and then all of a sudden we get to game time and Cam Peoples is wearing pads standing on the sideline, not checking in. Yeah. I think people that are... 
we have skin in the game because we love the program and we love the university so much. Someone that doesn't have skin in the game probably isn't going to care to ask critical questions no. and be critical of the team. No. If you're just a casual fan, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a casual fan. Absolutely. If you're just a casual fan, you're going to be like, damn, we lost again. Like, ah, oh, this is a bad year. year. Whatever. Yeah. I'll just, you know, I'll watch uh, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, whatever. They'll just watch the big game that's on CBS. But when you have skin in the game, like, like we do and, and you do, and, and everyone that listens to this podcast, everyone that follows App State Football, everyone that tweets about App State Football, you're going to ask critical questions because you want better. You expect better. You've seen better. You know you what know can we be are, done. We are capable with this group of coaches and this group of players. We are capable of more than what we have seen this year. And I'm willing to bet if Coach Clark was in this room right now and we asked him, would you rather your most diehard fans pat you on the back and say, six and six is fine, uh, seven and five and a bowl game loss is okay, we'll come back next year and we'll get better? Or would you want your most diehard fans to say, what is going on? What is wrong? What happened from last year when we were in a Sunbelt Championship game to now when we're fighting for our lives to make a bowl game? Something changed. What is it? I'm willing to bet he wouldn't want the critical fan. He would not want the yes man. I would hope he's not he that w- type of guy. I, I would hope he wants the critical fan because if he wants the yes man, he is is not the guy for this. No, no. I, and I think I that's not just here at App State. That's here anywhere across the country. Yeah. If you want the if you're a head football coach and you want to listen to the yes man talk to you over listening to somebody who wants to ask you a real question, you're not you're not built to be a head coach. Yeah, you should not be a head coach. You and should coach go do Clark, something else. Coach Clark is not that guy. No, he's, he's not. He's a blue collar West Virginia kid. He came up under Coach Moore in this program. He knows what it takes to be he's successful. He's a tough man. He has seen success. He has seen success as an App State football player playing in the SoCon. He's seen success being on the coaching staff. He has seen bowl games. He's seen titles. He knows what App State is. He doesn't want people to pat him on the back and say, it's fine, go get him next time. He wants people to hold him accountable and say, what went wrong? How did we, how did we lose to JMU? How did we lose to Texas State? How did we come so close to beating UNC and we couldn't, we couldn't get past the finish line? He wants people to ask those questions. He doesn't want people to be on, on Twitter defending a loss, which is an insane thing to do. No one in the locker room is doing it, so why would we do it? Well, and that's like, th- th- there are certain, you know, times where there's just losses that you get, you understand, whatever. But like, at, at some point you look at this year and you say, how did we, how did we get here? Yeah. How do we miss multiple two-point conversions to lose to North Carolina? How do we get railed by Texas State? How do we give up, you know, a 28-point lead to James Madison? 28-3. golden number. 28-3 lead. How do we give up a 28-3 lead at home mm-hmm. to James Madison? I mean, we were there against Coastal. It, it just feels like, it, you know, we, you, we're 90% there, and then there's just that little... Right. There's something almost, it seems like mentally, where our team just doesn't yeah. click almost. And how do you lose by one possession to Marshall? Yeah. How do you lose by one possession to Coastal? How do you get so close, but you can't finish, well, and that's where, like, finish the race? We, we lost by one possession to Marshall, but watching that game, we, we should have lost by three possessions. Yeah. We looked awful. We didn't look there. We did not look engaged in that football game. Yeah. It did not look like a game we wanted to win. And I imagine... I totally understand if players are mentally struggling with knowing what App State football is and seeing what the season has yeah, become. No, and, and I that, get it. Especially after you, you beat Texas A&M the way you did. like you, right. the, And the Troy game, the way that ended. You feel like you were destined for more. And, right. And you don't, you don't have that anymore. Right. So I, I'm not, I have sympathy for them. Not in the fact they're like, you know, I, you know, everything's okay. You guys will get... I, I can understand if they're mentally there having trouble focusing and getting fired up and, and getting locked in with their teammates because they keep thinking about, damn, we were literally like the most talked about team in America. At one yes, point. we were this literally, season, the same season. we were literally America's team. 
Yeah. People loved us because we had a near win against Chapel Hill and then beat Texas A&M. It wasn't that we beat both. We wouldn't have been as loved if we had beat both. It was because we fought so hard and scored 40 points yes. in the fourth quarter. We were that so loved us. And that's that's what's that the thing is like we were so exciting to watch and then we became so frustrating to watch. Yeah. It became frustrating all of a sudden to watch at play. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it, it's frustrating as a fan. I'm sure it's frustrating even as a casual fan, but I'm, I'm sure above all, it is frustrating as a player. Right, right. And like, that's, that's where my heart goes out to those players, especially senior guys, that this is their last opportunity to put that jersey on. Mm-hmm. Where this was supposed to be their ride off into the sunset that through, you know, three weeks, it looked like they were getting and, you know, they might not make a bowl. Especially people like Cooper Hodges on the O-line who were part of such successful O-lines, historically successful O-lines. You got to wonder if he's thinking like, what could I have done more? Yeah. Like, are are we struggling because I've taken a step back because I've regressed? It's hard in a situation to not blame yourself. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's the the hard thing about it. It's the thing that hurts is like for everybody on this team, you don't, you know, I'm sure going into this week at Georgia Southern, they don't want to be the app state team that doesn't make a bowl. Yeah. They don't want to be the first team since we got bowl eligibility to not make it. Yeah, that would be that would be quite the uh the hurdle to get over mentally for next season. Yeah. And, and that's what the, I, I hate that for them because I, you know, I, I can't blame them. I don't think it's their fault. I don't think that no. it, it should go on the players. No. I don't think that we're on problem. this roster that were capable of going into college station and beating Texas A&M. Like, I don't feel like we should, tar- you know, their legacy should not be tarnished in our heads. Like guys like camp peoples who I don't think will be back next year. No. Or Cooper Hodges. Like I, I don't think those guys, their legacy should be changed because of this year. Mm -mm. No. And I hope they don't think that. I hope if they are concerned about what will people think of me when I'm gone, I hope they don't think that, Yeah. oh, you're the 6-6 and team. You're the team that didn't go to a bowl game. Years from now, people are not going to fucking remember that. I I hope to God not because Cam Peoples, Cooper Hodges, like those two dudes especially are some of my favorite Mountaineers that I have ever watched play. Yep. I could watch highlights of those dudes, like that offensive line group. I could watch Cam Peoples run through that offensive line 24-7, and I would feel happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the staff, on the other hand? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, assuming things don't turn around, I'm going to think of Coach Clark as the coach that didn't make a bowl game. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is, like, unless there were things behind the scenes that we don't know about. Which which is very possible. It is possible, but at that point, that is on the staff for not being transparent. Yeah. But, yeah, we will think of that, that this staff group we have, right, especially that you know head coach coordinator group, Clark, Barbe, Dale Jones, mm-hmm. as being the group that we did not make it to a bowl game. We over. lost our 1,000-yard rusher streak, lost yep. our bowl game streak, possibly, yep. possibly. Potentially. Um, a rivalry loss, possibly, losing the Coastal. What are we? We're 0 and 3 against Louisiana, 1 and 2 against Marshall, 1 and 2 against Coastal, uh, 2 and 0 against Southern, which is good. Have to give credit. Yeah, that is good. We'll, we'll see. What... We had our first uh, ever loss to Texas State, first ever loss to JMU in their first year in FBS. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of milestones. Uh, Bad milestones. And not in a good way. <laughs> a lot of milestones that you don't want. And it's, I mean, I know we weren't going to go 60-0 and 0 against Texas no. State. But you would have liked to have thought that when Texas State has a miracle year and pulls a Western Michigan and makes the Cotton Bowl or whatever, that's the year we lose to them. Not, I, I, I don't know not, what Not now. the year where we had the schedule and the roster to be that team that goes to the Cotton Bowl. Right. I, I don't know. Texas State is like 
four and seven. I don't know what they are. Exactly. Right now, they've got a losing, they've they got a losing matter. record. Right. I know they're not contenders for anything. No. So our loss is even worse. So if we had lost to them when they were on their best year in program history, you know, it's going to be tough to swallow, but it if is what we, it is. If they beat us and they turn their season around and they're going to go on our streak and go to a bowl game, whatever, no, that didn't happen. No. Texas State still buns. They're a really bad football team. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I so, feel like, look, looking that. at the game, looking back at the games we have won, like, it, it's not, like, outside of the Texas a and game, it is not an impressive group of wins. And you realize we've only had one road game win, and it was Texas a and you think about that? We haven't won a conference a single, game. Yeah, we can't. And that's the thing, though, is like with, with the Marshall 1 and 2 and the Coastal 1 and 2, whatever, we cannot win games on the road. Yeah. Which to sucks. me feels like we were not prepared to play a game on the road. Yeah. Like whatever we're doing, whatever our process is, we are not prepared to play outside of Kid Brewer Stadium. Right. Whether we, I don't know if, if we got to turn the film upside down, if we got to eat our meals in a different order if, if, if something's if gotta, gotta change we right? gotta move the curfew back tell the guys <laughs> right. you're going to bed early right. like i don't know what it is but there has to be some variable in our game prep there, there that has to change and that's the thing it's like the, the, the answer can't just be oh it is what it is right oh this is oh it's a down year everybody has them and it also cannot be i i am in agreement I believe that a change at defensive coordinator should be considered, strongly considered. For multiple reasons. I'm also in the camp that we should look at our O-line coach, our special teams coach. Our special teams was questionable, questionable this year. Uh, and our strength and conditioning staff. Uh, We've had a lot of people go down. I think a deep, deep look should be taken there. Now, with that said, let's say we clean house, we get all the new people in. That does not mean the problem is solved, right? You, maybe, even if you change out these people, there's still ha- it's still Coach Clark at the top, right? There still has to be something about the established processes, about the culture. Something has to be up that they need to change over time. They need to make a conscious effort to change as a unit, and you can't do that just by bringing one new dude in. And I think you know, I think people will be say you know, oh, you know, the the expectations for Clark were so high. There's so many coaches that get hired and come in and don't have these crazy expectations, whatever. Most of the time you deal with a new coach coming in in college football, your team's in a, a bit of a rebuild because yep. your old coach got fired, whatever, let go, contract ended. We were not in a rebuild. No, we were at our peak. We were at we our were literally at our we peak. We were at our peak and it was, you know, you have a Ferrari and all you're doing is just changing who's driving that Ferrari. Yeah. And it feels like we have driven the Ferrari off the cliff. <laughs> We have taken that Ferrari and said, eh. We traded in for a, a, a Nissan. A Nissan it's, it's like we were given a Ferrari and it was like, yeah, give it premium gasoline and change the oil in it and rotate the tires. And we did none of those things. <laughs> we filled it up with diesel. Bro, them tires are bald. We, we filled it up with <laughs> diesel, put it on wood tires. NASCAR tires. <laughs> and drove it through the desert. <laughs> That's a good point. We Clark, Clark, uh, Clark did not take over because uh, Drinkwitz had three bad years. We were in a skid, and we no. needed a hometown guy who could win over the program quick to come in and save us. He took over a 13-1 and New Year's Six contender. What was, what, a, a team that was one gross, the most disgusting football game I have ever seen. <laughs> We've talked about it so many times, and I'll talk about it at the end of the time. Everyone has talked about the it. The 2019 Georgia Southern game is the grossest football game I've ever attended. Like, actually, physically, the weather and the actual game yes, itself. Yes, it was disgusting. We were that game away, which we still somehow almost pulled off a win. Right, right. We still almost pulled it off, but we were that game away from having a perfect year near six bid. Yeah. And, and playing Penn State. And a Penn State rematch. Yes. And it was, here's, here's the keys to that. Here's the same quarterback, same running backs. Here's all of your wide receivers. Oh, you get <laughs> Sutton back, too. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and we don't even go to the championship game. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, Damn. it's you know, it, 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 it's tough. It's not one of those that, like, we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, Coach Clark's not the guy. I hope Coach Clark's the guy. I, I also want to make that clear. I 
desperately want him yes. to be the guy. You I know, want him we, to be our coach more. We both campaigned for him yeah. after Drinkwitz left that, oh, here's this guy that the players are campaigning for. He's an App State guy, X, Y, and Z. He looks like he's got the experience. He looks like he's got the personality, attitude, whatever. Right now, it's not it's not panning out like we we hoped. Right now, he's got he's got next year to I think he's got next year to make the championship game. And if he doesn't, I think I, I don't know about that. I don't. I'm not gonna say that. Like that's so hard that's, to say. That like, would to, be my to, after to a, a deliverable like that. After a sizable drop drop this season, and I almost feel like intentionally putting a really really high bar on expectations is needed because the performance this season was so far out of expectations yeah you have to do something to just jolt them just put like put the fear of god in them well you have to turn but here's the problem though is say it doesn't happen say we don't make championship game and whatever you know you're you're an athletic department that wants to expand your stadium you've got a bunch of projects that need to get done that all cost money are you gonna pay 1.5 million dollars to get rid of your coach that that's a very valid point are you are are you gonna are you gonna say we'll put softball's facility on hold to to, right that's a that's an issue that is uh unique to app state and and small group five programs it's not a it's not a, a a mystery you know we're we're a cash-strapped institution when it comes to athletics you know the way north carolina as a state funds athletics and how those you know facilities you know go you know you have to be fully funded before you can build something and with those facility projects none of that money can come from student fees you have to go out and fundraise everything so dollars like that are super super important so are you going to say after a seven-win year next year, oh yeah, it's not good enough for us. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, if it's seven wins, maybe, maybe. I think, I think because that could potentially be the same exact record we're gonna end with now, minus the bowl game. Minus the bowl game, which is huge because you don't get revenue from not making a bowl game. Right. So you know, for us, I think, I think for me, if we don't end up beating uh, Southern this weekend, going to a bowl game. I think next year we, we got to we gotta make a bowl game. We have to be bowl eligible. You think that's the, the bare minimum? I don't know if it, it's the bare minimum, but it really needs to be the, the, the low benchmark. I mean, it's... You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we could get to, you know, the year and, you know, eight guys tear their ACLs and right. that's your year. But COVID too. And, you know, you <laughs> you can't judge, you know, a coach like that. Like, it, it's like looking at Tennessee's coach right now and being like, oh, you didn't make the playoff because, you know, Hinton Hooker tore his ACL. Right. Or it'd actually be COVID-20 because you remember Kellyanne Conway. She said, this isn't COVID-1, 2, or 3. This is COVID-19, folks. It's happened before. It could happen. We're 53 minutes into this, and you made a Kellyanne Conway. Listen, dude, the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. Uh, <clears throat> an enigma. Do we want to talk about basketball real quick? Wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. real quick. We, we want to. Uh, did you guys know that this was the Appalachian State tournament this weekend? See, I had, I had. This was a coordinated tournament hosted by Appalachian State, featuring Coord- four coordinated, teams. Coordinated is a huge word to throw. I because I'm looking at the upstate basketball schedule page right now, it does not name the tournament. It does not say, but if you go to Kennesaw State and Southeastern Louisiana's website, they both say Appalachia State wait, Tournament. Wait, 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 wait. Pull so, it up. so, 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 Southeast Louisiana's media relations department and Kennesaw State both label it with this name, the Appalachian. Campbell does not, and we do we not. <laughs> yes. Because I heard, I kept hearing people talking about, I saw the end of this game, I saw the end of that game, and my brain, dude, I was just like, why are you at Campbell versus Southeastern Louisiana? <laughs> and why, why also, are you driving down to Bowie's Creek? And also at the App game, how was this happening? My a helicopter. Was, I was short circuiting, bro. And then like Sunday evening. I was like, oh shit. 
This was a goddamn they're, tournament. They're all playing in the home center. Because we were talking about, wow, three games in three days. Seems like someone messed that up. It was a tournament. Marketing. <laughs> what's going on? It's not even on the website. <laughs> How do you not tell people this is a tournament? You don't. Like, no <laughs> tweet? No. I thought, I, earlier, in the, email? earlier in the week, I was like, looking through before we played Campbell, like what, what Campbell's schedule was, whatever. And I was like, yes. oh, I was like, oh, what smart scheduling? Yes. Campbell, <laughs> Campbell got Kennesaw State yeah. on the schedule before I was like, they played us? Wow, how convenient. Oh, Kennesaw State could just drive up from Atlanta yeah. to Campbell, then cut over, and, and then Campbell thinking, come too. I was like, wow, oh, how nice. We can scout our competition because yeah. they're playing each other, man. <laughs> how nice. And, I'm, and then I realized it's the term. I'm like, the fuck are we doing, man? It's not even on the website. It's not even on the schedule. <laughs> it literally looks like someone in the office <laughs> messed up scheduling. They they replied. They hit we reply even, all. We, we can't even get a press release they, calling it the App State. They tournament? typed an email that said, "Yes, we agree to this game," and accidentally added too many uh, uh, senders, too many yeah, addresses. Uh, this... So they had to schedule it all. <laughs> And the Campbell game was sponsored by Arby's. So you had a tournament sponsor. You, <laughs> you could have gotten Arby's locked in, right? The We Have the Meats 3. You could have totally branded this thing, man. You could have advertised this with a big red hat. We got nothing. <laughs> nothing, man. In terms of the games. <laughs> Campbell, 58-63. I don't think we led at any point in that game. That I credit to the upset hangover, which is goddamn real for App State sports. Uh, it took a Hail Mary for us not to lose to Troy after beating AM. We beat Louisville by a tenth of a second, and then we lose to the to the, the Fighting Camels. Should have won that game. Nothing was going down. Tyree was cold. Whatever. Go to Kennesaw State. This is a game that I got to watch in person. This was a frustrating game to lose. We had this lead. I believe we went to the first half down. Second half, we regained the lead. We had, I think, a five-point lead with three or two minutes left. And then we lose by four points. Very, very frustrating loss. That is the type of loss that we have seen time and time again, uh, especially last season. There's several that come to mind. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be something that, that Kearns needs to like really hone in on and figure out how do we win these non-conference mid-major games because this is what prepares you for conference play playing your, your wake forest in louisville that's great but that's not a realistic expectation of the competition you'll be facing throughout the sunbelt this year and by the way the sunbelt seems to be on an up this year which is great if we can succeed that's going to really boost our strength, uh, strength of schedule however it could also be a total gauntlet and we could totally crash and burn um but the good takeaways from the kennesaw state game Debaji Walker is the most intense, Debaji passionate a player I've ever seen wear the black and gold. And the maybe big that may be the big mist. That may be for any sport. I cannot think of someone. When he walked, we sat uh, directly above the tunnel. Where, I've, where I've the been team, telling y'all all summer. You have been directly where the team walks into the locker room. And re remember, this is a four point loss to Kennesaw State. I don't even know what conference is in right now. They're a son. They're a son. I think non-conference mid-major, right? Dabaji Walker walked off the court like we had uh, lost a game-winning shot in the Elite Eight to beat uh, Gonzaga. Like he had his jersey balled up, his fist clenched. He was like biting his jersey. He was on the verge of tears, and he played a really good game. So this dude just wants to win. He does not care about who we're playing, what the circumstances are. A loss is a loss. There's no moral victory no. for the Big Mist. No. The Big Mist does not care about morals. There is no morals on the basketball court for Dabaji Walker. I'll just put it like that. I'm sure he's a nice guy. but you know. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, once, once he checks out of that like intensity mode, he's like the that most mellow yeah. like easygoing doesn't care guy in the world that lock-in mode is real it is for debaji walker and it was it was so fun watching him play uh, just interacting with his teammates pestering the, the opponent it was, it was so fun to watch him play and justin absent 100 he may be the team mvp this year he's having 
a crazy year. Uh, I would say he's had more of a direct impact than Donnie, than CJ, than uh, Easy Eads, which I think Easy Eads has taken, he, he's been a little cold to start the season. Justin Abson is wild. And as of now, he is second in the nation in blocks. This kid is a true freshman. He is second in the nation out of like, what, like 320 programs or whatever. So multiply that by however many kids, 10 minimum, I don't know. He's second in the nation in, in blocks. So phenomenal performance. I'm so glad that, that we got him. And then that last game, Southeastern Louisiana. Want to correct myself, and I'm, I'm glad we're doing this right at the end of an hour-long podcast. I'm sure everyone will hear this. I'm glad you're correcting yourself now. I, I'm pretty sure I, I said that Southeastern Louisiana was D2. But then once I realized this was a, a tournament, I was thinking, hmm, why would a D2 team be in, be in this tournament? And I realized they're not D2. They're, I, I think they're in the Southland con- Conference. Um, but we won that game. I didn't get to watch that. I was driving back home from Boone to Charlotte, so I didn't get to watch. I know we were down kind of late in the game, but we came back and won uh, by nine points. So that's good. That's good that we, we bounced back. We won, and we won, we won pretty sizably. You know, nine points is, is nothing to scoff at. Um, coming up, we got East Tennessee State and uh, Furman. Those are uh, hard games. Yeah, ETSU. So I looked at the, the um, Ken Palm rankings. We're like mm. 214 right now. ETSU is 224. Um, Furman is 62. Damn. So we got to play... Wow. ETSU, who on paper we should beat or be pretty sure. evenly matched with. <clears throat> Furman, who is 62. And then Charlotte, who is like 104. Damn. Yeah, tough, tough stretch coming up. Um, I'm glad that Furman is home, and I'm glad that Charlotte is, is easily accessible. We're pro- I hope we have a big turnout of people. Me too. Um, last thing I'll say in closing, I'm be real. I'm disappointed in the crowd size. For these I, games. I've been disappointed still this season. It, it's like, I don't get it. I'm starting to really not get it with, with App State culture, with App State fandom. We try to say we're the best G5 in the country, all this, all that, whatever. Show up to basketball games. And I, I wasn't at the Friday night game, but coming off a... a our first Power 5 win since 2014, you'd think the place would be packed. No, you'd think they'd wasn't. have 7,000 people in there. Right. It's not. And I know on TV it looks worse than it is because the student section is it, behind the hoop, but I was there on Saturday night. This was after the football game. I think it was 2018. We talk about this all the time, 2017, 2018. We hosted football and basketball on the same day. Everyone with a football ticket got into basketball for free. Arena was packed. It was an awesome game, one-handedly, super fun experience. They did the same thing this game. I don't – they sent an email out. I saw not nearly enough marketing. That's something you should go all in on. Yeah. That's an excellent experience or opportunity to get people into a game that they typically wouldn't go to because they're already here, it's already convenient, and it's free. And the turnout was, was bad considering that the town was still full. Every restaurant was still full of people. Well, and, and uh, that starts with us as alumni. Like, it's so lame to call yourself an App State fan, and you just go to six football games a year, and you're done. You're not showing up for basketball. You're not showing up for baseball. You're not showing up for soccer. You're not showing up for, for softball. Like, that's such lame energy to just call yourself a fan and show up to watch a six-and-six six football team. Yeah. And that's it. When you, you, have a, do other stuff. you have a perfectly great basketball program in development here and you're just not you're just not showing up yeah like that we have to be better as fans on that end yeah i think student section seemed fine seems like turnout's going fine there which is great it's the alumni man yeah it's the locals it's us it's the alums it's locals x y and z like wh- why what about football makes you show up that you you won't come for basketball. Because I'll be honest, in-game experience at App State, basketball is a much better in-game experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not close. Regardless there's no, of the actual there's, like, the game being played, yes. the actual there's, experience. There's the no listening to freaking fancy like Applebee's eight times or I can make your hands clap. I mean, it 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 is a they have done a very, very good job from, you know, 2016, 2017, you know, to now with how basketball in game feels. Yeah. They, you know, we have legit hype videos. We've got legit music being played in there, you know. I don't understand why, you know, people aren't coming. Yeah. And I, I think I think it's that mentality that, like, fans still have that, like, oh, it's App State football. No, right. it's App State athletics. And until we move past just App State football, we are not going to progress as an athletic department. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, you know, people talk about, the, oh, the future for App State athletics, X, Y, and Z, whatever. It's not just football. Yeah. I promise you. What is holding us back right now is everything except football. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Debbie, uh, security oh. guard number two. <laughs> I, I don't even remember how, how, when we dubbed her number two, but she's you, the homie. You, you did that years ago. Oh, when I was talking about getting kicked out on, on BGP, BGP, security guard number one. And then we're like, oh, Debbie, security guard number two. Debbie's the homie. She came over, said hi. She got to be my fiance. Uh, it was awesome. Love seeing her. She's great. Unbelievable. I'm so Unbelievable. Glad she's still there. G- gives her all for Appalachian State. Truly. Very, very legitimately as a staff member. Truly. So love seeing her. I know the student section's falling in love with her too. Bailey's over there. Student SUNY Yells Clubs is always kicking it with, with Debbie. So I love that y'all are showing love to Debbie. She's the homie. She's a real one. So protect Debbie at all costs. <laughs> please, please take care of her. Um is that oh my god, is that Santa? Is that <laughs> Santa? Should we close? Th- should we end this episode? You've been talking for so long. Oh my God! All right, Santa, you, there's a nicer way to to say that. It's eleven fifty on a Tuesday. All right, Santa, I I didn't know you were so goddamn busy. I didn't know you were building the toys yourself. Oh, oh, oh staffing shortages. Okay, okay. Supply ch- supply chain Santa. issues in in the North Pole, huh? Elves won't work like they used to. What, are they unionizing now? Those bitches. <laughs> the elf union's up my ass. Sam, you're too busy buying social media platforms. You're not focused on your workshop. Everything's falling I apart. I truth social investment. <laughs> Sign up for Secret Santa and go app. Ho, go, ho, ho. go app. Take the stairs. Beat the stink this weekend for the love of God. Beat, ho, ho, ho. beat the ever living daylights out of Clay Helton and Georgia Southern. Plunge the stink. I I work with a Georgia Southern alum and I really cannot handle it. If the, you wanna, uh, do you have like twenty minutes of stories you wanna tell? No, I don't. I just really can't handle it oh. in the same year. If the coastal alum I work with and the Georgia Southern <laughs> alum, if I have to go three hundred sixty five days working with they these would, people, they would hit the fusion dance on yes. They really would. <laughs> Freaking stink tanks. Oh, hit the hit the stop record button. Oh. Good night, Appalachian oh, oh, State. Oh, 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 oh.